This week on Breaking Bullying, we meet a man whose early formative experiences with bullying helped shape him to become a coach and a mentor. Let's hit that music and let's get started. Joining us now to talk about his own childhood experiences with bullying is career coach Wazim Hajiri. Hazim, how are you doing today? Hi, Bruce. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited today to talk about a very important topic, which is bullying. Um, there's a lot of bullying going on all around the world. I bring a different perspective coming from another country. So I'm very excited to share my insights with you guys today, hopefully to inspire everyone that is listening, to inspire them and give them an idea on how to deal with bullying. Or maybe if parents are listening, how they can help their kids deal with that topic. Very important topics and perspectives. Again, we thank you for coming on. First of all, you have the coolest name, Wasim the Dream. <laughs> thank how you. did you come up with that? So there's interesting, an interesting story with Wasim the Dream. The night before I was born, my dad had a dream. The night before, in the dream, he saw me not even as a baby, as a grown-up. He had a crazy vision. And he saw me as Wasim. Wasim in Arabic means handsome. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, the second day, he went, as soon as I was born, um, he went to, uh, to you know, he, it was already decided. His name will be Wasim. Fast forward to a few years ago, Unfortunately, he passed away. So I wanted to honor him and always remember him in a way that he'll always be with me. So I went, I put my LLC as Wasim the Dream after my father's dream. Now, the name is extra special for me. So I wanted to, to keep it going forever, pretty much. And where were you born? Where did you come from? So I was born in Jordan, in Amman, Jordan, which is in the Mediterranean, in the Middle East, close to Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, and Israel. That's the closest, yeah, these are the closest places that you can reference to. How long have you been here? It's a crazy story of how I ended up in the U.S., and I thank my, my father for this, on how I ended up here. Back in 2013, so almost a decade ago, I graduated from Jordan. I did engineering for my bachelor's. And I decided to take a two-week trip to New York City for a vacation. The last few days, right before I was about to go back home, my father, he calls me, Wasim, what do you want to do? What's your plan? You graduated. What does life look like for you? I told him, I have no idea, nothing. I'm an engineer, so I'll get some job and I'll figure it out. He said, I don't want you to come back home. Don't come home. Stay in the U.S. and figure it out. You want to do your master's, you want to get a job. But if you come back home, you're going to get comfortable. And there's not as many opportunities as obviously the USA. Keep in mind, I was on a two-week vacation, not even planning to move here. My dad, over a few days, somehow convinced me. I canceled my way back home, and from New York, I came to San Diego to start a brand new life. How did you choose San Diego? So, um, as a kid, I visited San Diego, you know, went to SeaWorld, um, 
the San Diego Zoo, and I always loved it. And you skipped Legoland? As an engineer, you skipped Legoland. <laughs> no, I actually, I did, I even did Legoland. But my favorite was SeaWorld, always. That was always very, very special. I love animals. Um, I grew up on a ranch, actually. So I was, my father and I always shared the love for animals. And, you know, coming here, I would go see the shamus and the dolphins. When I used to come over the summer vacation, just for fun. And that's how I got an idea of San Diego. But you're on our show now, which means you had experiences that were not the most conducive to well-being as a child. You were bullied. Tell us a little bit about that. How did it start? How long did it go on for? What was the experience? So I have an interesting relationship with bullying. As a kid, I was always very, very different. I was the shortest kid in class, chubby. <laughs> so. I was a clear target for everyone. And that was different by different meaning. I actually did not like school, believe it or not. I did not like school. Engineering was a great choice then. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It changed, it changed over time. But in, even in the younger years, I did the bare minimum just to pass. It's because of that atmosphere of bullying, which started very early on. You're talking about, so when I was probably fourth grade, fourth grade, so very, very young. Nine, 10 years old. 10 years old, exactly. Minding my own business, uh, some, some of these kids would start picking on me and picking on me, making fun of me. Uh, I mentioned that I had a lunchbox, my favorite lunchbox of all time, whether that would uh, walk around with. And my first experience was this kid came to me, started making fun of me, about the lunchbox, and that was recurring more and more and more until one day I completely snapped. And I started to get into fights with that kid, with the other, with whoever other kids. It came from everywhere. But growing up in Jordan, Jordan is very, very different. It's a completely different world, right? So it's like a, it's a fight for territory. You have to stand up for yourself. And fighting happens a lot, more frequently than here. So as a kid growing up, you learn how to fight and stand your ground. Hopefully, you know, if your dad teaches you. Otherwise, the experience will be even more miserable. Were you taught? Yeah, I had, I had my dad at that time. My dad told me, no matter what happens, even if you get whooped, just stand up for yourself and take a stand. Because that's what winning is all about. When you stand up to that bully in the face and show them that, you know, I'm scared, I'm smaller than you, I'm the shortest kid in class, I'm chubby, that's how you can deal with these types of people. That's how my whole journey started very, very early on in, in school. I'm just curious, what kind of lunchbox did you have? That day? <laughs> it was actually, um, it was a, a tin blue lunchbox and I had uh, stickers on it from, you know, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. I designed it myself and I, I just loved that lunchbox, you know, and, and I took it with me to school. It was very, very special uh, for me and it became my weapon, <laughs> that lunchbox. To, so uh, a metal lunchbox, something to give you a bit of heft. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. To give me a little bit of an edge. When you started fighting back, did they begin registering you as too much of a problem or it just became more of a verbal pushing around thing to everyday fights? So 
it went both ways. With some people, they backed away, but then it opened up the doors for other kids, the bigger, taller kids, to come in and play. And then as I grew, as I grew into the later years, for me, even I learned more and more how to defend myself. And at the age of 17, that's when I first decided to join a gym. I'm like, I'm, ch I'm, I'm chubby. I don't want to be chubby anymore. I want to get stronger. So my main motivation into fitness, and you know, I have a whole story with fitness and competing in boxing and all of these other sports, started from the frustration of bullying. And joining a gym was my, my safe sanctuary. You know, I met an amazing coach who built me up, who boosted me, you know, and I was telling him I'm getting bullied all the time. I really want to defend myself. What do you suggest? It's like the first thing is you build up your own self. You work on your fitness. You hit the gym. You clean up your diet. That alone will boost your confidence and make you stronger. And when you look stronger, people will mess with you less and less. And that was actually the beginning of my fitness journey and how I got into fitness and boxing. Was there a time in grammar school when the bullying stopped? Or did it go on throughout your high school years? How long were you bullied for? So you can say, okay, early on, fourth, between fourth and seventh grade, that was the most, fourth to eighth grade. And then it started to go down towards uh, high school, around ninth grade, 10th grade. And around that time, 10th grade is when I started to get into fitness. And the bullying went down <laughs> as I, you know, improved my physical, physical appearance and my personality and everything. So fitness changed the whole trajectory of the bullying all the way until high school. But there's also there was also more more of it on in, uh, going into my first year of college. Would you like me to hit on that or any questions on that? <laughs> Previous Would we like you to hit on you being bullied on this show? Of course not. <laughs> why yeah. would we want that no okay so so yes please tell us about your collegiate bullying because it's nice to know that you graduated from childhood bullying into a more of an adult fair yeah <laughs> exactly so graduating high school for me was the happiest times of my life because i was done with all of that like all of these people who were really not nice all of these guys and I had a very small friend group, the people who were actually nice to me. They're just a very, very few people. So graduating high school was like, yes, I am free. I'll never have to deal with bullying again. I'm going into college. Everyone is nicer in college. That's what I thought. But <laughs> here I am, first year, first semester of college, within literally the first month even. I'll never forget it. Walking around, minding my business. But, but by that time, so now I'm 18, right? I grew, I got my growth spurt. So I was much, much taller. My physique improved because I was hitting the gym regularly. Overall, I was in much, much better shape than my younger years. So I had a good glow up at that time <laughs> in height and everything. I was walking around, minding my own business. And right on the gate of the entrance of the, the university, there was a library that we went to to get our books. This guy comes up to me out of nowhere, kept looking at me, looking at me, staring at me. What does he want? So I met, mind my, mind, minded my business, walked away. 
At the end of the day, as I was leaving, walking towards the library, this guy came back. It's almost as if this guy was stalking me. It was really weird. He came to me. He's like, hey, you. I'm like, what? What do you want? He's like, you were looking at me funny earlier. And then, boom, pushed me. Pushed me, and then bought the fight. That was That's when the fight began. And we started fighting, and we were lucky because it was outside of the university because we were we would have been both kicked out. And it was uh, like a UFC fight. All of the, the kids from college ran, and it was a brawl. Me and this guy were going back and forth, punches, ripping shirts, you name it. He was bigger, taller, and stronger than me, but I gave it my all, right? It, for me, it does not matter. As long as I give it my best, that's a win for me, even if I lost. And that was my first experience of college with bullying. It was unfortunate. Clearly, this guy was looking for somebody, and you just happened to be the guy who caught his eye. Did it become a continuation thing, or was it like this one-time bit of weirdness, and then life went on? So with college, this is the beauty of it. After I got into that fight, the news spread around the college like, like rain, when it's pouring rain. Everyone knew about that fight. So now I was on the map. And because I stood up to this guy, I actually earned his respect, believe it or not. Just like the Vikings, you see those movies, you know, when they kill each other, then they hug each other and go home. And after that, everyone knew like, oh, this is the guy that fought the big guy and his crew and all of that. I actually gained their respect. And over time, me and the guy became friends and that was my last fight uh, and the last of my bullying in my adolescence, pretty much. All the way until I graduated, I had no other issues. I want to go back to elementary school quickly. You were bullied for that lunchbox. Were you bullied for other things, too, for those past three years besides the lunchbox? Uh, lunchbox, uh, my height, my weight, my look. I mean, you name it. You name it. It's, it was just... Anything they can think of, you know, in the minds of a bully, especially because, you know, again, I'm the shortest kid in class. So these guys, a lot of them were also into sports. Soccer is the dominant sport in, in Jordan. Everyone plays soccer, watches soccer. So they played soccer and they're strong and big and they have strong legs. So I was an easy target, you know, because of what I looked like and just of my look, to be honest with you. It's, it's sad, but true being short and chubby. And I think, you know, guys who are like me are big, big targets. How did the school handle your bullying? Honestly, the school, as much as possible, they tried to help. And when I got into fights, they would call my parents. It's funny. My dad was actually on my side when the fights happened. When I told him I got in a fight, he's like, did you win? Did you do good? <laughs> he would actually be proud. My mom was so-and-so, she's like, and she would be angry, you know, why would you get into fights? I'm like, I wouldn't even get into fights. These guys were just bullying me. You made it sound like your dad took bets with his coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was actually excited, you know, because he wanted to instill that strength in me. You know, do not, do not back down. Do not back down. You have to face these people. But the school, they did their best to go and talk to these other kids, but that even made it worse for me. Oh, Wasim, you're a little, you're a little baby. You went to tell the teachers about us. And that made things worse for me when, when the school knew about it. It was not good on both ways. My parents, maybe, but the school, these guys used it against me. 
oh, look at this little, little brat. He already told the teachers about us and the schools about us and his, his mommy and daddy wanted to try to save him. And they made more fun of me from that. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So how did that stop then? Did you just stop telling the teachers? Yeah, it, it really didn't stop and until maybe they got bored, you know, like it was a little phase, they got bored. And then I would just avoid them and, and try as much as possible to avoid them. But me standing up to them also partially helped, you know, partially helped. But I even sometimes dealt with when we were um, in, you know, did group events with the older kids. Again, you know, some of these older kids, when we were in 10th grade, some of the kids in 11th and 12th grade, sometimes I even would get into fights with them just again because of my appearance. Oh, this little chubby fat kid. Let's go pick on that kid. So I did my best to deal with it. But yeah, that's where because my, my grades suffered, you know, I would go to school and I would be dealing with these douchebags. So I couldn't wait to go home. And home for me was, yes, freedom away from all this crap. Um, and then, as I mentioned, the last couple of years, it calmed down because these other older kids graduated. And a lot of the kids that were in my class left the school. So fortunately for me, the last couple of years were much, much more peaceful. 11th and 12th grade were the most peaceful for me during that time. You had mentioned you began doing fitness and boxing. Yeah. And that was motivated out of this whole bullying thing. Yes. What made you go, okay, boxing? As a kid, my dad loved Muhammad Ali, told me about him. You know, uh, he, he showed me some, some, uh, some documentaries and stuff about him. My dad was a big, big fan. And that was always in my head, like, I want to be strong like Ali. Ali was always beating up people. I want to get strong enough so that no one will ever mess with me again. I just wanted to defend myself and defend myself effectively and be actually strong. Not a, you know, like a chubby, short kid with zero experience that's so i wanted to learn how to fight to really fight so that next time i'm in a situation i'll defend myself and leave not bruised up and you know half of my face uh bl bloody and all of that so that's that's why i i really wanted the main purpose was to defend myself effectively <laughs> so it was because you were losing more than you were winning yeah absolutely absolutely did being a victim of bullying have any impact on your life right now? Um, yes, but actually in a positive sense. So before COVID, uh, 2018, 19, I, I went around to some of the schools here and I was talking about bullying to the younger kids, especially like we have a couple of schools here with underprivileged communities and international and people from other countries. So I would share, share stories about that. Um, and all of these kids, I could feel their pain if they were, and a lot of them were dealing with bullying. You know, I talked to their teachers. So that drove me to have a purpose right now to talk to these younger kids. Every time I go even to the gym, you know, in the boxing gym, there's a lot of these younger kids and I sit down, we talk about them. I, even, I always ask them, do you get bullied in school? Is that why you're here? And most of them actually say yes. I'm frustrated. I want to learn how to fight. So I sit down and talk to them and calm them down and mentally help them get in a better place, you know, and to be, to be just able to deal with these things. And what would you say are your main points of advice when you are talking to these kids? So number one, the first thing is to get into sports. 
any kind of sports, mixed martial arts, soccer, football, basketball, you name it, to get physically strong, girls and guys, because I know girls, you know, the bullying happens, girls and girls, they bully other girls and on and on. And sometimes boys bully girls and all of that. There's no gender to bullying. Yeah, like all. Bullying goes across the whole spectrum. Everywhere, everywhere. So to all of these young kids, number one is to get into sports, any kind of sports, because when you're physically stronger, you're more confident, there's more self-belief. And I... I truly love martial arts. And if you have a good martial arts instructor who will instill that type of confidence in their students, you know, because martial arts, what is martial arts about? It's about, okay, it's learning about the fight, but in the end, you go and embrace the opponent and bow down in respect. So if they learn how to, I can beat you up, I'm not going to use it. But if, if something happens, I know how to defend myself. So when they're walking around with that type of confidence, the bullying will go down a lot. And if they are faced with a bully, they deal with it and they know how to defend themselves. You know, if someone throws a punch at them, they can't run away. They have to deal with it, defend themselves, or maybe at least defuse the situation. That would be number one. And if they are dealing with bullying right now, please, please, please talk to someone. Talk to someone because I know a lot of kids are scared to talk about it. Maybe in fear of disappointing their parents or in fears of, as I mentioned before, if they told the teacher, the other kids will know about it and they'll call the kid, you know, oh, you, you ratted us out. So to talk to someone, absolutely. Someone who will understand, that's the second, second piece of advice. And then third, I would say mentorship, mentorship or coaching. To find someone who will build them up, you know, build these kids up and to help them understand who they are and how they can be better in life. So coaching and mentorship, that's the, that would be the third pillar that I would recommend. A lot of kids today, as you know, sit on their tablets. Yeah. They don't want to do sports. As a parent, how do I get my child to join a sport when he doesn't want to do it? It's funny because when I was dealing with that phase, I was a video gamer myself because games were my way out of school and all of the nonsense. So I love video games growing up. I played a lot in that time. Let's say your kid loves video games. I would say recommending trying a couple of different sports and then giving him or her a reward. Like if you try a few of these sports, I'm going to buy you a brand new video game. And, you know, instead of playing for an hour, you can play two hours. So you can mold what they like and then maybe give them some type of reward. Like, hey, if you just try this sport or any type of sport and then allow them to try different things, martial arts, basketball, football, soccer, gymnastics. And then nowadays, there's so many different ways for kids to be active, maybe even Make it simpler than, simpler than um, sports. Let's say you, the dad, will work out with them at home. Just do some push-ups every day. Or a YouTube dancing video. They like dancing. So I would say find fun ways, you know, for your kid. And then give them a reward for doing them. If they love video games, say, hey, I'll buy you the latest iPad. If you try, you know, doing five push-ups a day for a month. You know what I mean? Make it fun and engaging. I think it's because 
First, you want to understand your kid's world. Like, what do they like? What do they not like? What will they resonate with? And if you hit on the things that they love and enjoy and you see like, oh, wow, they're engaged, you'll grab their attention and, you know, they'll, you'll get them more engaged. As a martial arts instructor myself, I get a lot of kids who come to my school that will be these couch potatoes. They don't want to be here. They don't want to do sports. I see the parents that push their kids to do it and they stay and they love it. And then I see the parents that just give up. They don't want to fight with their kid anymore. They just give up and they let the kid win. You know, sometimes the parent needs to take responsibility as well. Absolutely. We don't have that mindset anymore as a parent. Like, oh, it's too hard to get him to do anything. So just go sit there and play your tablet. Okay. From your perspective, because I know sometimes it's difficult, but this is where, yes, the parents, the parents come and play when, when it comes to assertiveness, I would say, and discipline. As an example, your son, let's say he's, he's on the couch all day, does not want to go, does not want to move, does wanna, not want to do anything. Take that iPad away. Take that iPad away. Yes, they're going to hate it, but say, hey, listen, if you want to play on your iPad, I want you to be healthier. I want you to grow, to be strong and live for a long time. Just 30 minutes of exercise a day and you'll have your iPad back. So it has to be some kind of discipline there and assertiveness, you know, from the parent. They're not going to like it at first, but with repetition, and I would say rewarding them with baby steps, let's say starting with 10 minutes of exercise a day, or let's go for a walk around the neighborhood, five minutes a day, and then slowly 10 minutes a day, and finding a way to reward them. Like, yeah, if you do this for a, for a week or two, I'll buy you a video game. If you, you know, um, does that make sense? So finding yeah. ways to make it something small, baby steps, and rewarding them accordingly. So it has to be a form of discipline. Yes, they'll not like it, but you know why you're doing this and it's for their own good. Discipline, kids have to learn it at an early age. It's so important. Does that make sense? There's another piece of what you asked, Tim, which is these parents giving up. And you talked before on other interviews we've done about in your class, parents sitting there as their kids are doing whatever they're doing and they're on their iPhone and they don't watch the kid get the achievement. There's a certain degree of parental engagement and I'm going to put it out there beyond discipline. Yes. yes, discipline needs to be happening, but that's only one piece of it. There's a certain degree of parental engagement. And I say this as somebody who's not a parent aside from three dogs, <laughs> uh, but parents need to be engaged. You can get a lot more out of sharing an interest, even if it is video games, you need to foster that kind of relationship and connection. And that helps you ask them to take the steps past where they're comfortable going. You have to make sure that you are involved in your kid's life. And yes, I know you work. And yes, I know you're providing. And I know, yes, I know you're tired, but you had the kids and this is part of it. So even if, if they only want to play video games, and you want to get them to get off the couch and work out, play video games with them. Do it together. Do, it, do it, together. it together. But don't just do it as like, I'm here patronizing you. Oh, it's so cute that you've won. No, be engaged in the games that you play. Connect to your kids. That way you can take it off the video game and get them outside playing catch or lifting weights or going on a hike. And I get it. It sounds easy when you say it, but it does take a lot of work. I have, yeah, know, I have well, five that's kids. I have five kids. Yes. It's not easy. It's tough. 
But even taking those baby steps, like maybe play a round of a video game with your child or a board game, whatever it is may be. And then eventually make a deal. I'll play whatever we're playing for a video game. Then you come go for a walk with me. Yes. Yeah. I love what Bruce said. Spot on. Right. And, you know, it kind of both of us hit on a point, but he he, he explained it in a great way, which is learning their world. Right, Bruce? I think that's mainly like, OK, how? Yes. How do they operate? What do they enjoy? Why are why is he playing this game? And you know something, Tim? I just thought of more ideas. Now on the Nintendo Wii, you know, so there's a lot of games that you need physical movement, like boxing games or tennis games. Maybe play those games with them. That they're gonna get the exercise without them without even feeling it. You know what I mean? And they're gonna get all of that energy out, and you'll have fun. So you can get a Nintendo Wii, which is, I think, 100 bucks or so, and play that tennis game or the boxing game. Um, that, that would be a fun way for them to start exercising. They're still playing games, and then you'll have fun too. <laughs> you don't need a Wii anymore to do that. The, the Wii Switch now has like the ankle bracelet controller. Wow. And you play soccer. You play soccer now. That's, that's even better. And even if, let's say, they don't like the Wii, just say, hey, if you do some some of these rounds with me, I like the Wii. You can tell them I like enjoy, I enjoy playing this game. I'll buy you a PS5 game at the end of the month. Something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, extrinsic motivation works well for kids. That's how they respond. You don't yeah. have to you don't have to spend the money to buy a game up front, but maybe give them like every minute you spend walking outside, I give you a quarter, a nickel. <laughs> And you build up to that game as well. So I don't want people yeah. to think like, oh, I got, I can't afford a new game every every day that they buy one. But at the same time, I also want to express that we don't want our kids playing video games all the time. This is a great way to start off because, like you're saying, the team sports that is going to develop their social skills. They're going to make friends where they're not going to get that thing at home playing video games. But it's a great way to start your child to get up, get moving and get active. But what if we're a parent and we have a child and the child has been bullied and the child is depressed? The child has already been ground down pretty heavily. What do we say to this child? What do we do with this child? Because the child has already lost hope. I would sit down, sit down with the child and understand exactly how they're feeling. And in a, in a deep, deep way, tell me what happened. Tell me why did this happen? How that makes you feel? Express to me all of your emotions. So the first thing is to let it all out. What are you scared of? You know, it's to understand their perspective completely because that's something I craved. You know, when I was dealing with the same situation, I felt that I, I wish I would, I would talk to someone and be heard to explain what I'm dealing with. So the venting, that would be the first, first step is to understand exactly what they're going through, all of the emotions, their, the, how scared they are, and then tell them, like, how would you like things to improve? What are the things that, you know, if we moved you from the school, as an example, do you hate it to the point where you want me to move you from the school? So, and then asking them about options, what would they like? How would you like things to change? What would be what would be better? I would start there. Does that make sense, Bruce? That's the starting. Yeah, point. does make sense. 
it's very important to ask those open-ended questions. Yes. And be receptive to the answers. That's the yeah. other thing about it. Be very, very receptive. Yeah. And then after that, based on what the child is saying, find solutions. Yep. Literally find solutions. That's where the parents come in. Like this is unacceptable. You know, my, my kid cannot, cannot be continuously bullied and all. And so the finding ways to, to fix that, you know, there's, and it depends on also the perspective of the kid, right? I wanted to get into fighting because I, that was for me, that made sense to me. And it's not like my dad told me, hey, go learn fighting so that you can fight back. That came out of me. That's why I got invested in it. So we have to understand what these kids actually, you know, need and want in their own world because everyone is very, very different. Do you feel that fighting your bully will end bullying for most kids? Like, do we have to go that far to get our kids to stop being a target? I would say absolutely. Even if they didn't physically fight the kid, but stood up to the kid, that goes a long way in the bully's mind. And they will mess with them less and less. Because honestly, let's be real. This is how life is even when they grow up. So if the kids learn how to deal with their bullies, when you grow up, life happens. Sometimes you're going to get punched in the face from life, not a bully. How, do, how will you deal with it? Will you give up or will you stand up and deal with your problem head on and punch your problem in the face? You know what I mean? So absolutely, Tim, I believe that every kid that is bullied should learn how to stand up for themselves and face the bully. Even if it's not physical fighting, but in words or just speak up. And that is solve a lot of a lot of these problems more and more. And forget about the bullies. This is extremely good for the kid to learn resilience. Because when they grow up, they're gonna deal with a lot of things. High school, middle school, all of that, all of these things, you know, this is a, a short period of time. But if they learn to be resilient, just like dealing with a bully, the confidence or the mindset or whatever they learn, the, the upliftment, how to deal with these situations will benefit them heavily in the future. I completely believe in that. Yes, they should learn how to stand up for themselves, either physically or verbally. Fight back. Fight back. Yes, absolutely. And remember, kids, when we say fight back, we don't mean become a bully yourself. No, absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like, you know, martial arts, Tim, you know how to fight, but you control it and you will never, ever engage a fight or go fight someone for no reason or pick on anyone. Absolutely not. Because martial arts is also about respect. Bow down, respect everyone, right? Even your opponent. Let's say you're in a boxing competition. You go in the boxing competition. What we see on the TV is all marketing. But in reality, it's all about respect. You fight, you box, but in the end, you embrace. You embrace your opponent and you, you go embrace their team and bow down to their team. You know how it is, Tim. You made a good point there about kids learning to stand up for themselves at a young age because you're right. When you get into the workforce, you're going to deal with a boss that's going to probably push you around. And if you let it happen, you know, you're going to keep getting pushed around. It's not going to stop until you make it stop. When kids learn how to stand up for themselves, they are going to show up as different people. They are going to walk around 
with their head held high, their posture is going to be different. Their whole energy and being will be different. So these guys, these, these bullies will see that and will not want to mess with them. So that's one of the other biggest benefits of our kids learning how to stand up for themselves. They will show up differently in the world. They will walk different. They're, they have a different level of confidence. And people will see and feel that. So they will become less, less and less targets for these bullies. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yes, it does. I mean, everyone on this podcast lived that experience. Yes. Wazim, you've been very generous with your time. But in closing this out, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to impart to our audience? To everyone listening, remember, remember, remember these three things that I'm about to mention. These are the three biggest things that helped me in my personal and professional life. Number one is to have a coach or a mentor, someone that you can look up to. And it's, it doesn't even have to be your parents, mom and dad. That has changed my life in many, many ways. Because all of us need help to anything you want to accomplish in life. It's going to be very hard if you try to do it by yourself. But if you are guided by someone that you look up to, someone that looks at you and believes in you like no other, it's going to help you throughout the rest of your life. Whatever you decide to do 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30s, 30 years from now, always have a coach or a mentor, number one. Number two, take care of your physical health. Take care of your physical health, which means regular exercise. And it doesn't have to be the gym. Just move. 10 minutes a day, 5 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. Just do any type of physical exercise. If it's a Wii video game, do that. If it's a walk in the park, if you're walking your dog or your cat or whatever, find a way to get physical exercise and take care of your physical health. And also, nutrition. The food that we consume. Now also, both Tim and Bruce, as you guys all know, the food that we consume, what we put into our bodies, affects everything, not just physically, also mentally. So be very, very careful of the food that you eat. Stick to real foods, more healthier foods, or have a balance in what you eat. You can still eat junk food, but also eat some good foods. Balance it out. With some exercise, you will be okay. Finally, number three, take care of your mental health. Mental health is, and now it's one of the most talked, talked about topics ever. How can you take care of your mental health? This is what I recommend to everyone that I know. From the babies to the kids to, the, to my mom who's 67 years old. When you wake up, start your day with a small meditation. Five to ten minutes. You can sit down and just simply breathe. And think about things that you're grateful for. The first 30 minutes of the day set the tone for the entire day. That's why I recommend starting with a meditation. And then journal. How am I feeling today? Write it down. If you go to any therapist, one of the first things that they recommend is having a journal. I journal every single day. Here's one of my journals. It's full. 
What are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Especially the negative thoughts. When you write them down, you will feel so much better mentally than all of these thoughts being in your head and you will be able to process things better. So we talked about meditation, we talked about journaling, and then uh, physical and mental health. Those are the most important things. And the first one that I mentioned is having a coach or a mentor and community. Yeah, let me add that one last one. Find a community. Be in a community that is supportive, that loves you for who you are and shares your passions. That's a beautiful four out of three list. Yeah. Thank you so much for <laughs> it that. It kind of became four out of three. Yeah. So Wazim, if we want to get a hold of you or follow you, where would we do this? All of social media. It's Wasim the dream after my dad and my company, my LLC. And my main website is getyourdreamjob.net because my main business and what I do is I help people land their dream job. So if you need professional help, but other social media platforms, Wasim the dream. I can be found everywhere. And you know what? Just to be gross about all these things, tell us a little bit about your book. My book. Okay. So I have two books, actually. My first book, which is actually this one, you can see in the back a little bit. It's called The Relentless Pursuit of Turning Dreams into Reality. They're all on Amazon. So my first book talks about my journey moving from Jordan to the U.S. and starting a brand new life. That's where I talk a lot about bullying and how I dealt with bullying and the things that helped me. So for people dealing with bullying, that book will help you a lot, and especially for the young, younger kids and their parents even reading it. My second book is called Fulfilled, How to Land a Job that Aligns with Your Purpose. So for the people, even the young kids who are looking for a job, this book will help them navigate on, okay, what do I like? How can I find a company culture that is aligned with what I like? And how can I build a career out of it? Because nowadays, again, most people are very unhappy even with their work. And we spend most of our time working. So I wrote that book to help out the people who are unhappy with their jobs and to help them find fulfillment and happiness. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Asim. Thank you so much, Bruce and Tim. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. I had a lot of fun. I really hope that everyone listening has learned at least one thing that they can apply today and it will hopefully help them in some way. And if you want to reach out to the show, if you want to share your story with us, we would love to hear from you if you're being bullied or if you're looking for community. And you can reach out to us at breakbullyinghere at gmail.com. And also you can find us on Instagram at breaking underscore bullying. And TikTok. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, please do us a favor. Leave us a like, subscribe, rate us. We would really appreciate it. Now, if you or someone you know is experiencing bullying, there are online resources where you can get information and help. The first is the government's own anti-bullying website. And the address for that is www.stopbullying.gov. The other resource is www.pacer.org. And if you're having thoughts of self-harm, please reach out to the National Suicide Hotline at 988. I'm Tim Flynn for Bruce Naxon. Thank you for listening. 
and join us next week as we continue the conversation to break the silence on bullying.